So every once in a while, we come across a piece of news that reminds us that we are, in fact, living in a science fiction dystopia, except it's not fiction. Uh, chemical weapons is something we thankfully don't hear about very often in real life, but there have been notable and horrifying cases of their use. Uh, Kim Jong-un's brother getting assassinated at an airport by having VX nerve agents sprayed on his face. There was the Aum Shinrikyo sarin and VX attacks in Japan back in the 90s. Uh, various Novichok poisonings against critics of the Russian government. Uh, and also a much longer history in warfare with stuff like mustard gas and chlorine gas in World War One, Zyklon B used in Nazi death camps, and various chemical agents used in more recent conflicts in and around Iraq and Syria. And on the less than lethal side, CS gas is still just routinely used in riot suppression around the world, including by police here in the U.S. who just can't get enough of it. They love it. There are, of course, laws and treaties meant to limit or ban the usage of certain types of chemical agents, though they're not entirely effective. Clearly. But hey, at least the, the discovery and development of new types of chemical weapons isn't something that just any random person with some basic AI software could whip up, right? R right? Sadly, we'll stop you right there, because here's a recent article from The Verge. AI suggested 40,000 new possible chemical weapons in just six hours. Oh, well, that's just great. Mm. Wonderful. It turns out that the AI that's been used in recent years to speed up development of pharmaceuticals can simply be told to do the opposite of what it normally does and will very quickly come up with thousands of extremely toxic chemical compounds. Oh, I turned on evil mode. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. It's opposite, Dick. Oh, this thing's all messed up. Hold on. <laughs> You've heard of medicine. Here's anti-medicine. Yeah. Otherwise known as poison. Uh, anyway, here's The Verge. It took less than six hours for drug-developing AI to invent 40,000 potentially lethal molecules. Researchers put AI normally used to search for helpful drugs into a kind of bad actor mode to show how easily it could be abused at a biological arms control conference. All the researchers had to do was tweak their methodology to seek out, rather than weed out, toxicity. The AI came up with tens of thousands of new substances, some of which are similar to VX, the most potent nerve agent ever developed. Shaken, they published their findings this month in the journal Nature Machine Intelligence. Uh, the rest of the article is an interview with scientist Fabio Urbina, uh, the lead author of the paper, who explains that his job normally involves using machine learning models to screen new drugs for potential human toxicity. He and his team were invited to a conference in Switzerland to talk about how machine learning might be misused to develop chemical weapons, and he says, quote, It's something we never really thought about before. But it was just very easy to realize that as we're building these machine learning models to get better and better at predicting toxicity in order to avoid toxicity, all we have to do is sort of flip the switch around and say, you know, instead of going away from toxicity, what if we go towards toxicity? Yeah, it's like we're a very non-toxic YouTube channel, got a very non-toxic fandom, mm -hmm. and that comes out of uh, some, some real effort on our part. What if we just did the opposite? Yeah. Who, who are we picking beef with? I don't know. I don't even want to. Let's get banned. <laughs> no, let's get suspended. No, no there's high, it's just like this. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, Once it's true. out there, then YouTube thinks we're just toxic. Not even just a little bit of bullying. What if they started it? <sighs> anyway, the, the I'm not that great of a fan of Philly D. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I've watched his stuff. I can take his content or leave it. Yeah, so it's fine. But also, I don't go seeking it out. I don't think it's that great. Yeah, so. Get him, guys. And he's got writers and stuff. Get in his mentions and tell him that his stuff is not as good as ours. Yeah. I have to fight with my own demons every day just to get a script out. I don't yeah. have writers doing it in the background. Yeah. Hmm. Must be nice. <laughs>
I really have no beef with him. Must I just, be nice, Philip. I thought of like it's like thinking of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. <laughs> uh, like I tried to think of the most harmless, like just standard news show out there. Yeah. And it was just like, eh, there you go. Yeah. That's a nice beef. And then here he comes, stomping into the Internet Today studios, just like the Stay Puffed Marshmallow oh, Man. Oh God. <laughs> it's Philip DeFranco. He's oh, it's white goose all over me. Ten stories tall. <laughs> Anyway, that guy, uh, Mr. Urbina, he explains yeah. things further. He says, I'll be a little vague with some details because we were told, basically, to withhold some of the specifics. Broadly, the way it works for this experiment is that we have a lot of data sets, historically, of molecules that have been tested to see whether they're toxic or not. We can use these data sets in order to create a machine learning model which basically learns what parts of the molecular structure are important for toxicity and which are not. Then we can give this machine learning model new molecules, potentially new drugs that maybe have never been tested before. And it will tell us this is predicted to be toxic or this is predicted not to be toxic. This is a way for us to virtually screen very, very fast a lot of molecules and sort of kick out ones that are predicted to be toxic. In our study here, what we did is uh, we inverted that, obviously, and we used this model to try to predict toxicity. The other key part of what we did here are these new generative models. We can give a generative model a whole lot of different structures and it learns how to put molecules together. And then we can, in a sense, ask it to generate new molecules. Now it can generate new molecules all over the space of chemistry and they're just sort of random molecules. But one thing we can do is we can actually tell the generative model which direction we want to go. We do that by giving it a little scoring function, which gives it a high score if the molecules it generates are towards something we want. We gamified it. <laughs> Instead of giving a low score to toxic molecules, we give a high score to toxic molecules. Now we see the models start producing all these molecules, a lot of which look like VX and other <laughs> chemical warfare agents. Jesus Christ. Good uh, job, AI. I wish I hadn't told you to do that, but you did great at it. Yeah, you, did, you get a gold star in ruining everything. Uh, he then goes on to say that, at least based on the data, a lot of the compounds that the AI generated are even more toxic than VX, though that's not something they want to verify, or even can. Uh, a lot of them were all also very chemically similar or even identical to known chemical weapons, which is wild because the AI didn't have any knowledge of these chemical weapons. It basically did what military scientists did over several decades in the 19th and 20th centuries in just a couple of hours, all by itself. Sort of like how AIs have outperformed the world's greatest chess and Go players, but the game is murder this time around. Mass murder. And apparently none of this is all that difficult. Urbina told The Verge, For me, the concern was just how easy it was to do. A lot of the things we used are out there for free. You can go... Stop talking! He needs to stop talking to The Verge! <laughs> it's already out there. <laughs> you, you, according to him, you can go and download a, a toxicity data set from anywhere. If you have somebody who knows how to code in Python and has some machine learning capabilities, then in probably a good weekend of work, Jesus, they could build something like this generative model driven by toxic data sets. So that was the thing that got us really thinking about putting this paper out there. It was such a low barrier of entry for this type of misuse. And yeah, this of course raises the question of why even publish this information to begin with? Why not just keep this to yourself? Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And yeah, that's apparently, it is a question that the researchers themselves struggled quite a bit with before deciding that this isn't something that should be ignored because there's a decent chance someone out there is already working on something like this. So awareness is important in the chemistry and biological chemical weapons field. Yeah. Uh, Urbina does say that actually getting the molecules manufactured isn't necessarily easy, especially for non-state actors. And there's also no guarantee that they are as toxic as the AI says they are. Although, 
I don't know. You trust I, the AI to do your job. I would like the to just way. stay away from any of it. Yeah. Like, oh, the AI might be wrong. All right. Well, I'll be over here. Far, far away. Yeah. Uh, Urbina ends the interview with, I don't want to propose that machine learning AI is going to start creating toxic molecules and there's going to be a slew of new biochemical warfare agents just around the corner that somebody clicks a button and then, you know, chemical warfare agents just sort of appear in their hand. I don't want to be alarmist in saying that there's going to be AI-driven chemical warfare. I don't think that's the case now. I don't think it's going to be the case anytime soon, but it's something that's starting to become a possibility. Great. Um, yeah, that's not exactly reassuring after everything else that you just told us, especially in the middle of a war where one of the countries is now already accused of using white phosphorus munitions. But okay. Yeah. You yeah. Know, if you want to visit the most toxic place near you, head to uh, Silver Lake uh, on a Sunday afternoon when there is bottomless mimosas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gets real toxic out there. It's so toxic. Friend friendships are destroyed. They talk shit to each other's faces. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. That's wild. Yeah. You just yeah. get your own table, sit back, and watch the show. You ever seen a drunk woman crying at 10 o'clock in the morning? Especially now with Uber prices the way they are. My God. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, speaking of Russia's war in Ukraine, though, uh, here's another bit of dystopian news. Uh, so, a little background. The loss of life on both sides of this conflict is impossible to account for at this point. Uh, but it is somewhere in the tens of thousands. And NATO estimates that up to 15,000 Russian soldiers have been killed so far in just one month, which would be more than the total number of Soviet soldiers killed in the Soviet-Afghan war, which lasted over nine years. Uh, for further perspective, it would be more than double the total U.S. troops killed in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. So that's a lot of dead Russians. And to be clear, we're mostly talking about kids here who didn't necessarily sign up to invade a neighboring country. Yeah. Um, so it's it's very sad. Yeah. Um, anyways, here's the dystopian part. Remember Clearview AI, the facial recognition company that attracted loads of controversy for basically just skimming all social media photos on the entire internet and pitching itself as a way to identify just about anyone as long as photos exist of them online? It's mostly been used by law enforcement as a tool for identifying suspected criminals, um, unsuccessfully in a yeah, lot of cases. To varying degrees of success, uh, for sure. But it's now being used by the Ukrainian government to identify all the dead Russian soldiers that they have on their hands so that they can reach out to their family members on social media and let them know. This is... This is so... Hello, miss. I'm... I work for President Zelensky of the country next door, the one your kids invaded. Anyway, he's dead. We scanned his face. We can show it to you if you want. He's this dead. Sucks. We got the body. Come and get him when you get a chance. <sighs> anyway, yeah, here, here's Reuters. Ukraine is using facial recognition software to identify the bodies of Russian soldiers killed in combat and to trace their families to inform them of their deaths, Ukraine's vice prime minister told Reuters. Mikhailo Fedorov, Ukraine's vice prime minister, who also runs the Ministry of Digital Transformation, told Reuters Ukraine had been using Clearview AI software to find the social media accounts of dead Russian soldiers. From there, authorities are messaging relatives to make arrangements to collect the body, he said. Quote, as a courtesy to the mothers of these soldiers, we are disseminating this information over social media to at least let families know that they've lost their sons and to then enable them to come to collect their bodies, Fedorov said in an interview, speaking via translator. Fedorov declined to specify the number of bodies identified through facial recognition, but he said the percentage of recognized individuals claimed by families has been high. Reuters was unable to independently confirm this. Uh, I mean... 
we're not really sure how to feel about this. I mean, on one hand, if your family member was killed in a war zone, <clears throat> you deserve to know. Uh, and it doesn't look like the Russian government is being very forthcoming with the family members of these dead soldiers. Now, on the other hand, it's unclear how reliable something like Clearview would even be for identifying dead people when it can't even identify alive people. Yeah. Misidentification is already a big problem in facial recognition, but in this case, it also involves putting people through serious emotional distress. If it is accurate, it could potentially help sway public opinion in, uh, in Russia against the war, but it also just kind of feels gross. Um, bottom line, war sucks. This war especially sucks. Um, this, there's, I don't like it. I don't like any of it, no. and it's uh, tough to talk about. And uh, this is just a more tech dystopian feel of the future of warfare, and it's unsettling. Hello, I'm a bot from the Ukrainian government. We recently identified Ukraine's your... death bot. Yeah. Uh, it also, like, I recently saw something about where Russia gets its soldiers from. And uh, would you believe, uh, much like some other countries, uh, they... Do you go to high schools? They, like, they... Most of the Russia's military is from the absolute poorest, yeah. most remote parts of the country. These are not kids coming from St. Petersburg and Moscow. They're coming from, like, way out in the sticks, in the territories. A lot of them aren't even, like, ethnically Russian. Um, so... But just like with the United States, they're like, look, uh, here's someone who's desperate to do anything in life. Yeah. Or has little to no choice. So uh, why not th- Why not just wheel a big energy drink com- company up to there and just be like, hey, you want to see how far you can climb on the rock wall? Do you have what it takes to invade Ukraine? Yeah, I would be interested in seeing, like... There's nothing. They're, their, you're coming. You're their, coming with us. Their recruitment. I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know anything about it, but I, I mean, it's, it's probably just... Like with a lot of places, like what do you, what else, what do you got better to do? Yeah, you want, we you want, want to live and die in this shit town, or you want to come see the world? Yeah, we will Serve offer you a, a money to live on if you yeah. come fight for the like that. It's probably like a lot of militaries. If if it is voluntary at all, which I don't assume that it is, at least at this point. Hey, and look at that. There's uh, the equivalent of a Dodge dealership right next to the base. Just so happens to be right there. <laughs> we got that you're gonna have the best ten year lease. With the highest interest rate possible. Yeah, 50% APR. Yeah. Lower than 100. But you're going to love the way you look driving it. And you're going to make all your friends jealous. They're going to be signing up right after you. Anyways, the future is not entirely dystopian. Oh, thank God. But we've got a few medical news stories here for you that'll give you... It'll have you definitely feeling like you're, you're living in the future. Uh, first of all, it was several years back when we first talked about the possible medical usefulness for MDMA, a.k.a ecstasy, which is mostly known as a party drug, but also shows serious promise as a treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder. Just don't overdo it. Yeah, so if you manage to uh, survive a war, you come back, you know. You're going to feel great for about four hours. You're going to want some ecstasy. Yeah. Uh, so while the initial research uh, did seem promising, there, you know, there needs to be a lot more testing done with a lot more patience, and they've actually done that. And as it stands, MDMA is very close to being at the point where it could start actually being used with patients. Cool. And to be clear, uh, this would not just be giving PTSD patients a bottle of pressed pills and having them take E every day, which would be unhealthy and very dangerous. Uh, patients are administered a controlled dose of MDMA and uh, then do talk therapy sections while the drug's effects have kicked in. And this apparently results in significantly better long-term effects compared to if they'd just done normal talk therapy. And it even, in some cases, improves the patient's cognition so much that they're no longer diagnosable as having PTSD. Uh, here's Gizmodo with more. 
MDMA, formerly called 3,4-methylene-dioxymethamphetamine, is a synthetic drug with both stimulant and psychedelic effects. It can produce feelings of increased elation, empathy, and a distorted sense of time and space. These properties made it a popular club drug, which led to its designation as an illegal substance by the U.S. federal government in the 1980s. But even before then, a small group of psychologists had experimented with using MDMA as a way to boost the effects of talk therapy sessions. MDMA-assisted therapy has received renewed attention from the scientific world as of late, buoyed by new research and a successful push for the legalization of drugs in general. And in the last few years, the FDA has agreed to consider a formal approval of MDMA for PTSD pending positive results from randomized double-blind placebo-controlled phase 3 trials, which are considered the gold standard of clinical research. It continues, last year a team led by University of California San Francisco researcher Jennifer Mitchell published the first results from their phase 3 trial of 90 patients with severe PTSD. Compared to placebo, MDMA-assisted therapy was highly effective and well-tolerated, they found, even among patients with other relevant health conditions, such as depression and a history of substance use disorder. Specifically, two months after their last therapy session, about two-thirds of patients who took MDMA no longer fit the criteria for active PTSD. On Tuesday, at the spring meeting of the American Chemical Society, Mitchell and her team reported follow-up data from the study, which showed that these improvements seem to last longer still after the initial treatment. Quote, MDMA is really interesting because it's an empathogen, said Mitchell in a statement provided by the American Chemical Society. It causes the release of oxytocin in the brain, which creates feelings of trust and closeness that can really help in a therapeutic setting. So basically, they've already had one successful phase three trial. They're about to start on a second phase three trial. So if this next trial shows similar results, the odds are pretty high that the FDA will approve MDMA-assisted therapy for PTSD possibly as early as next year. Cool. Which is definitely not something that uh, would have sounded at all believable even a couple years ago. Uh, Similarly, though, more than 60 years after birth control pills for women became a thing, it's looking like a male birth control pill could be on its way in just a few years. Uh, with one such pill looking to start human trials sometime before the end of this year. The female birth control pill works by using hormones to alter the menstrual cycle to prevent ovulation from occurring, which is uh, pretty simple. No egg, no preg. Uh, It's very effective, and side effects are mostly minimal. Meanwhile, coming up with a pill that makes a man shoot blanks without serious hormonal side effects is a lot trickier. Though you could also argue that maybe the pharmaceutical industry was less motivated to pursue it. That could be it. Making it so that a dick and ball still work perfectly fine, minus the potential for pregnancy, is a difficult balancing act. And other proposed solutions have involved messing with testosterone, which affects all sorts of other things, like cholesterol. Also, if you mess with testosterone enough, the patient simply loses all sex drive, which is bad when the goal here is to let men continue to be horny but not fertile. Uh, But also, it, it fixes the problem. Yeah, you're not getting anyone pregnant now. Yeah. Can't even get a boner now. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Yeah, You're pro- welcome. Scientists were like, well, we could do this, but like men love shooting huge loads. And like, you gotta shoot the biggest load pro- possible. It's the coolest <laughs> thing you can do as a man naturally. So if we <laughs> reduce that too much, nobody's gonna use it. No big loads, yeah. So if we can increase the viscosity, the liquid, but reduce the actual swimmers, then we got a hit on our hands. Yeah, that's Fellas, the goal. it's gonna look like a fire hose down there. Yeah. But no babies. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of just dead, salty, do-nothing sperm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as for how this new pill plans to actually accomplish all of this without messing with testosterone, uh, here's Gizmodo. The proposed contraceptive is the product of researchers at the University of Minnesota who say <laughs> it works by targeting how our bodies interact with vitamin A, known to be essential to fertility in mammals. 
diets deficient in vitamin A have been linked to sterility, for instance. After a lengthy search, they found an experimental compound that blocks a protein responsible for binding to a form of vitamin A, retinoic acid, in our cells, known as retinoic acid receptor alpha, or RARA. RARA is one of three proteins with a similar function, and the hope is that its selective blocking is enough to induce long-lasting but reversible sterility while causing little to no off-target effects elsewhere. Makes you a god. That's the side effect. You gotta market this right. Marketing is going to be very important. Yeah, like, okay, so you're in the act, you're getting a little nervous because you don't want to get someone pregnant if, you, if you're in a, a consensual relationship with a uh, extended parent, like, you know, all of that, because mm-hmm. you'd probably want to still use a condom for a million other reasons. If yeah. you're not, um, this is probably more for marriage and relationships. Family planning. Um, but yeah, just be like, yeah, it's gonna, you're not going to have to worry anymore. You're going to be able to just keep going. Your mind's not going to be racing like, oh, it's almost time to figure out something to do here. <laughs> Where do I put it? Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like um, it works really well, at least in mice. The article says, so far, the compound, dubbed GPHR529, seems to work as intended. In new data presented Wednesday at the spring meeting of the American Chemical Society, the team found that male mice dosed with the treatment for four weeks consistently experienced a sharp drop in sperm count and became sterile. Overall, GPHR529 was estimated to be 99% effective in preventing pregnancy with no noticeable side effects. And about four to six weeks after they stopped taking it, the male mice were no longer sterile. Other research of theirs in animals has similarly shown that inhibiting RARA should be safe and effective at inducing temporary male sterility. I mean, they did it on mice. They got to try it with rabbits, the horniest animal. Yeah, so here's my issue with this. And I think it's more pronounced because of the pandemic is the... I don't want to get... What's that movie that Mike Judge made? Idiocracy with it. But like with the vaccine, the responsible, forward-thinking... Uh, not thinking with their balls or whatever uh, group of men in this case uh, would be the ones that take it and be like, well, I'm being responsible. Well, everyone's like, nah, that's pussy shit. I'm not taking something that makes me sterile. But that's already happening. Yeah. With birth control, condoms, all all of that. It's just going to bump it up even more. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But there's no future. The world's going to end. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So this that's why they're not, uh, they weren't initially developing this pill. They're like, well, fine, we'll get around to it, I guess, if we make it to 2022. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the real birth control is the inevitable end of Earth. Yeah, that'll stop them. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this male birth control thing needs to go through multiple long phases of human trials before it has the possibility to be something that doctors prescribe. So I guess we'll see how that goes. And if it does manage to get FDA approval in a few years, it will be very interesting to actually see how many males opt into it, considering... Birth control has just sort of been a, a female thing for so long. For girls. Why do I need to take a pill? They, what they need to do is have the, a bonus side effect like the, uh, the acne thing where in my high school, girls would be like, yeah, I, I'm taking it for, yeah. for my uh, pimples. Or at least yeah. that, it makes the conversation with their parents easier. I need but it to clear up my skin. The parents know yeah. and the daughter knows, but it makes the conversation less awkward. Yeah. Here in America, we need... The boys are going to be like, Dad, I want to blow huge loads, but I don't need swimmers. Hell yeah, son. (laughs) High five. Men in our family blow the biggest loads. Isn't that right? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, considering the cost of having a kid in this country, you would think that something like this would be embraced with open arms, but who knows? Who knows? This is going to be, there's going to be like a tax on this from the religious right, too. Just being like, goes against God and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Dink's 
dual income, no kids, we already get taxed. Paying for other people's schools and shit. <laughs> yeah. The dink is powerful, but it gets taxed very well. It gets taxed, yeah. Um, but speaking of the cost of medical care in this country, here's some surprisingly good news, or at least good news in the sense that it's still bad, but now less bad than before, but still upholding the bad and unjust systems in our society. Credit reporting bureaus are going to actually remove medical debt from your consumer credit reports once those debts are paid off. That still leaves unpaid medical debt on credit reports affecting people's ability to do all sorts of things, but it should be a relief to a lot of people whose credit was ruined by a completely unexpected illness or trip to the hospital. Here's the Wall Street Journal. The biggest credit reporting firms will strip tens of billions of dollars in medical debt from consumers' credit reports, erasing a black mark that makes it harder for millions of Americans to borrow. Equifax, Inc., Experian, and TransUnion are making broad changes to how they report medical debt beginning this summer. The changes, which have been in the works for several months, will remove nearly 70% of medical debt in collections accounts from credit reports. Beginning in July, the companies will remove medical debt that was paid after it was sent to collections. These debts can stick around on a consumer's credit report for up to seven years, even if they are paid off. New unpaid medical debts won't get added to credit reports for a full year after being sent to collections. The firms are also planning to remove unpaid medical debts of less than $500 in the first half of next year. That threshold could rise, according to people familiar with the matter. There's apparently eight, around $88 billion in outstanding medical debt in this country. What a country. Uh, which has got to sound absolutely fucking insane to anyone living in a civilized country where the idea of medical debt is correctly viewed by society as obscene. There was, a, a, speaking of the pregnancy thing, uh, a video that was going around uh, recently where a woman was like, I'm b- about to give birth and I'm going to let you in on the on the expenses of everything. Oh, it's... And she, it's so she was up. in and out. Uh, it was her second child. So she, the labor was like 30 minutes of actual pushing or whatever. Uh, and the bill was $40,000. Uh, she had to, uh, luckily insurance covered a bit of it. She still had to come out of pocket like $2,500, which is a lot. Yeah. And people in the comments were just like, I'm sorry, I live in a first world country. What is, how much do you have? Yeah. They charge you extra for skin to skin contact. Yeah. If you want to hold the baby. Would you like to hold your baby? I'm like, uh, how much is that going to cost me? Thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'll no, we, I'll touch the baby later. Yeah, I'm going to have to deal with it for the next 18 Ooh. years at least. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, the idea that a person's inability to quickly pay off unexpected medical debt is even relevant to the purposes of credit reporting is also completely idiotic. Up until now, they've been treating unpaid emergency room bills the same as any other unpaid debt, which is it basically amounts to how can we trust you to pay your rent on time if we can't even trust you to have $50,000 set aside in case your appendix randomly bursts? I just don't know if we can sell you this, finance this car for you, because um, yeah. you've already proven that, um, you know, getting hit by a bus is not something that uh, you can afford. So the system is working as intended. It's keeping people who get into financial uh, debt even further into debt and unable to climb out. Yeah. It's really funny how, like, uh, you know, China's, their social credit score thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It, uh, the credit monitoring. jobs look at your credit report now, too. Which, credit monitoring in the U.S., not that old. It's it, within our lifetime. 80s or I something? Believe, yeah. yeah, it was like late 80s. And, yeah, it affects anything. Like, anything involving finances, like. And it's really it's, dumb, too. It's like, oh, you paid off a debt. Your credit score went down. Yeah, oh, no, it's, it's completely random. There's no Oh, you wanted to switch to wireless services. Oh, your credit score went down because they needed to check it. Like, what the fuck? They're just checking it. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking wild. Like, uh, it's like when I was applying for a mortgage recently, 
Congrats. Like, all my shit is, my finances are good. My credit score, I'm like high 700s. Almost, I had 800 for like a week. <laughs> uh, and it went away for no reason. Yeah, which yeah, it does. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, everything's looking good. Like on paper, no reason to really question my financial uh, situation at all. But there's like one late payment from like six years ago on my credit report. And they're like, we're going to need a signed and dated uh, formal letter explaining exactly what happened here. Yeah. Because this is, uh, this is not good. Yeah. It took me a decade to get, I was like really bad in my 20s, like yeah. 500 you or something. Just let the seven, 600. Let the seven years pass. Let That's what it was. Yeah. It got, it got, nothing you can fucking do. Yeah. Um, so good news is, is if you can survive on, uh, by doing absolutely nothing with credit for a decade, then yeah. uh, you'll start you'll start from bare minimum again. There's also some uh, fun fun tricks uh, for when you're young and you uh, go into serious debt and uh, I just forget about it. Yeah, you basically if you just say I'm not gonna buy anything. No, you don't say anything. Well, if you if you say to yourself I'm not gonna buy anything for seven years and I'm not gonna answer the phone. Yeah, or uh, uh, have a, a place uh, never gonna open any mail that looks like suspicious. Uh, if you ignore a large debt, you get you basically get a. Uh, yeah. This isn't financial advice it's at absolutely all. This not. is like the worst thing you could do aside from filing for bankruptcy. It's just like, yeah, when you are down the hole, they will try to bully you and even try to trick you. And intimidate you. Yeah. Like with uh, with medical debt especially, like if you just straight up tell the hospital, like, I can't pay it. So let's figure this out. I got 50 bucks. They will negotiate with yeah, you. They'll be yeah. like, oh, shit. All right. Well, we got to close this account because I got quotas I have to meet too so uh, sure whatever just whatever you got in those pockets hand them over yeah it gets uh, your debt will get sent to collections collections will ru- attempt to ruin your life for a number of years and then they will also give up yeah and they'll spend seemingly more money uh, chasing you down chasing than it's you worth. down than any of it's worth it's very strange but there's there, there's companies now I know John Oliver did something like this but like you know debt gets bought and sold like yeah, they'll buy the debt can, for, like, what you would be able to pay it off for. Yeah, there's, there's like, charity organizations now that just buy people's debt for, like, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And then you get a, a letter in the mail. They're like, uh, yeah, hey, we bought your debt. You don't owe anything anymore. Which is great. Uh, it's just <laughs> funny that, like, if the company had initially been like, look, we, we understand. Yeah. Like, this debt is five years old now. Why don't you give us a quarter of it and we'll call it even or something. Instead, they sell it for less to a collections agency, which spends... Night and day, hounding you. Yeah, imagine the insurance companies. Poof, gone. The collections agencies. Poof, gone. Who would want to live in such a oh, utopia? Man, imagine a world without for-profit healthcare. Ooh. Yeah. Anyway, so it's barbaric. The whole system we have. Uh, a recent survey on the health on the website uh, healthcare.com looked at how medical debt affects different generations in this country. And can you guess which generations have had the most? And uh, sort of least effect of medical debt when it comes to making rent on uh, or rent or mortgage or anything like that. You know, can you guess which generation has the most trouble and the least trouble? This may shock you, but 25% of Gen Zers say that they've skipped a housing payment because of medical debt. While among boomers, it's just 12%. Interesting. Uh, Meanwhile, Gen Z was the generation whose credit score was least affected by medical debt. But across the board, between one third and one half of the population says that their credit score has taken a hit. For medical debt. Yeah. Which is fucking messed up. 
The least surprising but most depressing finding of this survey was that among incomes below $50,000 a year, more than half of those surveyed had medical debt sent to debt collectors. And even among people earning seventy-five dollars to $99,000 a year, more than 40% of those people also had medical debt go to collections. A massive chunk of the U.S. economy is tied up in people literally just trying to stay alive. And this change to credit reporting is just a small step towards fixing that, but hopefully a big enough change that it makes a lot of people's lives a lot less shitty. Oh, and I do want to add that trick. You can look it up. It's a, it's a, it's a whole process. But uh, And don't listen to our advice on anything financial. But uh, that does not extend to student debt. No. At all. Uh, yeah, you can't even get out of student debt by declaring bankruptcy. Yeah, It no. never goes away. It never goes away. Your grandchildren will be paying for it if you don't. And yeah. that shouldn't exist either. But hey, grab those bootstraps, you know? Yeah. You know, if, if, uh, if, our, if our grandparents' generation could do it, then there's really no reason we can't accept all the data. Just every piece of data, except for that. I always love reading the stories on, like, online about people whose grandparents are just like, well, you got your job interview today. Make sure you dress up nice and uh, you'll be all good and then you'll be able to get your own place. And it's like, you're not just going to walk into any place that does like a job interview and be like, hey, it's me. I'm going to work really hard and you're going to be able to give me enough money to afford a house, health care, yeah. food on the table, a car to get into work. And this, it's like, it just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And you're also competing against 200 other people. Yeah. If you can even get in uh, for an actual interview. Yeah. Yeah, but just grandparents and even just put on your just suit and like, go around just handing out resumes. Yeah, and just show me you like, got gumption. You know, when I was your age, I just got a summer job to pay for college. Why don't you go out and work harder? Yeah, yeah, I paid for college by like you know just working twenty hours a week was, down at the local pool. Wasn't Why there can't a video where like they showed old people like houses and asked them to like guess how much they cost? They were like thirty five thousand dollars. Oh no, a hundred thousand dollars. These are like eighty year olds. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, seventy thousand dollars. I don't know, and they're like telling the prices. And they're like, it's just they they don't they're not present in the reality that yeah uh, the and you can't blame them for that. But live. also, these people should not be involved in any like, decision making decision making about other generations who do have. Uh, That's why a different these world old living fucks in. need to get the sh- get out of fucking government. Yeah, you hey Chuck, Chuck Grassley running for re-election. He's already the oldest. Didn't Diane Feinstein gonna... said that she's going to go again too? Oh yeah, yeah. We're doomed. Gerontocracy. Look, find what makes you happy and just just occupy your time with that. Okay? <laughs> All right. That's our episode. Uh, it, I mean, hey, last minute. You going to be in Texas next week. weekend? You have one week, Mr. Bond, to make it to Texas to see us April 1st at the Stateside Theater, Stateside Theater in Austin with Rooster Teeth. Yeah. Links in the description below to buy tickets. Go get those tickets now. What are you waiting for? Get the for? tickets. We're probably never playing. Yeah. We're never going to be doing a show again live again. So yeah, uh, Probably not. Probably never. Yeah, who knows? Uh, so check that out and uh, check out our videos over here. We have a video that breaks down that entire, the, the, the surprisingly involved saga of the Tesla jump. Uh, and also our most recent episode of Weekly Weird News. Check those out. And we'll be back soon for News Dump. Bye-bye.